All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am answering your listener questions about the all 22 from the Falcons week 13 loss to the New Orleans Saints. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years. Currently on Twitter at FalcFans, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP. And, of course, still going strong hosting this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's Locked On Falcons podcast is presented by Pepsi, made for football watching. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching, go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. So today's episode is a Q&A. Today's episode is a all 22 review. We will only lightly touch upon the film. Look, I'm looking to forget about this week 13 game, but we'll get into some film related questions, talking a little bit about who was responsible for the first touchdown. We'll talk a little bit about Sherrod Neesman uh, and his performance, a very specific and very on brand uh, question for uh, Lockdown Falcons. Uh, we'll also get into some of your listener questions about other topics, some of them not related to football, uh, if we have enough time. But uh, one that is related to football is, you know, someone asking, why is it such a sin to talk about Matt Ryan? Someone asked whether the Falcons will target a quote unquote established head coach. And some ask what positions should teams never draft in the top 10 and consider it a 10 sin. So we will get into that on today's Locked on Falcons Q&A episode, and we'll kick things off with Justin Sandu's question at Justin 2012-24, asking, can you break down who was at fault for the first Taysom Hill touchdown? So this was the Traquan Smith touchdown where the Falcons got beat on double crossers. Michael Thomas ran a crosser. Traquan Smith ran a crosser. Traquan Smith was wide open. And it's hard to say because based off how the way the Falcons played it, I would say Darquez Denard, who was covering uh, – who lined up on Traquan Smith's side of the field, uh, played it like he was supposed to cover and, and follow track Traquan across across the field. Um, and because the Falcons were asking A.J. Terrell, who was on the opposite side where Michael Thomas was, uh, to basically shadow Michael Thomas for the majority of the game, um, it seemed like that was what the Falcons were expecting on that particular play. But given that the Falcons were technically playing cover three and technically or at least traditionally, when you play that cover three, when you see that route combination, you would expect A.J. Terrell to fall off of Michael Thomas, pick up Traquan Smith crossing across the field, as well as, you know, Denard picking up Thomas on his side of the field with those double crossers. But the Falcons didn't play it that way. So traditionally, A.J. Terrell should have been at fault, but I think the way that the Falcons were trying to play it in their game plan because they were asking Terrell to shadow Thomas, I think uh, Denard was at fault. Speaking of A.J. Terrell, I thought that play, you could argue, 
um, as well as the third and 17 were some instances of some mental errors that he may have made in this game uh, covering Michael Thomas. But I thought from a physical standpoint, he did a, a pretty good job uh, sticking in, in Thomas's hip pocket. Obviously, we know that Thomas's game isn't necessarily predicated on getting huge amounts of separation. He's more about getting positioning and winning at the catch point, which he consistently was able to do uh, why he wound up with what nine catches in the game on 11 targets. But you know, there were enough positive reps with AJ Terrell contesting some of those throws at the catch point that at least gives me a little bit more optimism that, you know, potentially next year in, in the years beyond that he will do a much better job handling uh, that matchup should he be uh, called upon to shadow Michael Thomas or other top end wide receivers in the future. Uh, let's move on to King Ashy Hotep. The first question at Jelani 64, he asked Marlon Davidson, what should we expect from him? Snap counts have been low. Uh, are you asking what should we expect from him over the next four weeks or the next four years? You know, for me, at least I'm not overly concerned about Marlon Davidson and his development so far. I think his performance the last couple of weeks has made me not worried about where he's going to be and what he's going to be. I think he's right on track for what he's supposed to be. Uh, let's move on to Mave 2124s question. He asked, how has Neesman been on special team and defense this past week after the film review? Neesman was fine on defense. He, you know, he had a couple of issues playing in the box. He's not necessarily a, a great single high safety, but he did an adequate job in that role, sort of filling in for Ricardo Allen for a handful of snaps. On special teams, his blocking as a personal protector on the punt team was good. His coverage could get cleaned up a little bit. Mave 2124's next question is, should the Falcons give Chris Rowland a shot at punt returner? The Chargers have awful special teams. Good shot to see what he can do. Eh, I don't know. I, I've never really understood the Chris Rowland hype. Joe Bayar at Joe Bayer 74 asks, taking the brand, taking a, the brand new smoker for a test run. What should I make first? You know, look, I'm not a pit master. I'm no expert in terms of barbecue or anything like that, but I imagine you're probably going to hold off on the, on the brisket and the ribs until you got a good feel for your smoker. So my suggestion, I guess is, you know, smoke a whole chicken or something as a good way to sort of break it in and, and test it out. Uh, let's get to rich at traveler kid traveler kid. I'm sorry. I can't read at traveler kid 91. He asked, why is it a sin to talk about Matt Ryan? I don't think it should be a sin for talk about Matt Ryan. I think the problem is that generally the conversation surrounding Matt Ryan tends to be polarized and you have sort of extremists on both sides. And, you know, there's one side that are basically, say that all or most of the Falcons problems start or stop with Matt Ryan. Then you have the extremists on the other side that sort of basically think any criticism of Matt Ryan is unfair and therefore never criticize Matt Ryan and essentially treat him like he walks on water. You know, does Matt Ryan get undue criticism? Sure. But he gets undue criticism because he's a quarterback, not because he's somehow unique in the most disrespected quarterback in the league. You know, when you have a quarterback like Matt Ryan that has played for as long as he had and arguably as well as he has and has no hardware to show for it, those guys tend to get criticism. You know, you just look at Tony Romo. When Tony Romo and the Cowboys had a bad game, it made national headlines. It was the lead story on SportsCenter. It was all they talked about on NFL Live or First Take or, you know, inside the NFL or whatever the talking head shows were. Oh, Tony Romo threw that pick in the fourth quarter. Like, you know, that's what we're talking about. When, when we talk about, like, undue criticism, most disrespected, all these various things, like, 
you know, the, the amount of criticism that Matt Ryan gets compared to that, the amount of sort of scrutiny that Matt Ryan gets compared to that, it just pales in comparison. So when people, you know, sit here and go like, oh, whoa, is, you know, Matt Ryan for getting undue criticism, like that comes with the territory. It's just the nature of the beast. You, you may not like it. I don't like it. But like at the end of the day, it is what it is. So um, I don't think it should be a sin to talk about Matt Ryan. You know, I just wish we could have a conversation about Matt Ryan without it being sort of poisoned by those two extremist groups uh, at the ends that always want to make it about, you know, and, and that's been, you know, not to get too further on this rant, but that's been the issue with any conversation about Matt Ryan forever, you know, and that's part of the reason why I don't spend as much energy talking about Matt Ryan as maybe other people do uh, that would be in a similar position as I am. Uh, just because I'm just, I'm so over it. Cause I just, I like, I, I've said this before on the podcast, but I remember the season opener in 2010 when Matt Ryan did not play well against the Steelers in that game. And I remember the the next week of conversation on, on forums, like at foulfans.com RIP was like, Oh, is Matt Ryan never going to be better than this? And like, anytime Matt Ryan has a bad game, it's a referendum on Matt Ryan. Like, you know, Matt Ryan has a couple of good games and no one talks about getting rid of him. He has one bad game and it's like, oh, we, I guess we're drafting quarterback. Number one, top 10 pick, got to draft a quarterback. And it's just like, we don't have to have like, you know, we don't have to have these extreme conversations about Matt Ryan. We can just say, hey, Matt Ryan did not play well. Hey, Matt Ryan has not had the best season ever, right? But he's, he's shown a lot of good things this season. He's shown some bad things this season, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to sort of throw the baby out of the bathwater, but we can't have these conversations because again, the extremists and even the people that aren't necessarily extremists, but again, we tend to have these very polarized opinions where it's like, well, the conversation around, around Matt Ryan has to be, do you get rid of him or do you keep him? You know? And it's like, Understandably, I, I understand why that's the conversation, but we don't have to necessarily make that decision every single week. But let's move on and we'll get into uh, more questions from you guys, including whether or not the Falcons will go after a established head coach on their next hire. And we'll get into that coming up on today's podcast. But before we get there, we know that the holidays are coming up and I don't know about you guys for, for me, that usually means I might pack on a few extra pounds due to the ample consumption of delicious foods uh, that come with the holidays. And I know what I'll be doing this winter. And I, I think you guys should join me in checking out built bar to pick up the best tasting protein bar on the market. Uh, they do have 100% real chocolate in them and they come in flavors that I particularly enjoy like coconut almond peanut butter and those flavors among several others taste just like candy bars, but built bars are also healthy. They're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber. I like to use them as meal replacements for breakfast and lunch. And whether you decide to use them that way, or you just need a great tasting energy boost, uh, for your pre or post workouts or whatever you want to use built bars for you just because you want a, a great tasting protein bar. You could take advantage of this great offer by heading over to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on and get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked on for 20% off your next order at builtbar.com. So we got more questions to answer on today's episode, but I do want to let you guys know that coming up later this week on locked on Falcons, we will have a guest, uh, a returning guest, uh, former Falcon guard, Keenan Forney. He'll 
should be on Friday's episode and we'll get his insights into what's going on with the Falcons offense, what's going on with the Falcons offensive line, since he certainly has a personal stake in the development of two young uh, offensive linemen that the Falcons have. And we'll get Keenan's thoughts on that later this week on Lockdown Falcons, of course. Subscribe to Lockdown Falcons on whatever platform that you get your podcasts on so that you do not miss it. So let's get into our questions. Our next question comes from Slap and fire Dirt Cutter at Abby Ready 2 on Twitter. He is, is Dirt Cutter fired yet? Nope. And I don't think he's going to get fired before the end of the season. So, you know, in the words of Nick Saban, quit asking. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't understand why people think he will get fired, but we'll see. Uh, MJ23 at Kel Jeffer 1 asks, what's the most realistic scenario for the outlook of this team one can expect for the next four years? I mean, that's a nearly impossible question to answer because – we don't know who the coach is going to be. We don't know who the GM is going to be. We don't know whether or not we're going to make a quarterback change. And without knowing those variables, it seems impossible to, to project what this team is going to be next year, let alone four years from now. Uh, Kel Jeffer one's next question is chances. The Falcons look for an established head coach versus a fresh offensive mind. Apologize if this is the 20 time you've answered this. No, I have this. Is, this is relatively new. Um, I certainly thought a year or two ago uh, that there was a pretty high chance of Arthur Blank would prefer an established coach to get this team, quote unquote, over the hump because of his belief, not necessarily my belief, but his belief that the Falcons had already assembled the talent that was capable of competing and contending for a Super Bowl. Um, And I felt like last year in particular, if the Falcons had decided to part ways with Dan Quinn, that someone like a Mike McCarthy would have been potentially very high on Arthur Blank's list of uh, candidates for that very reason. But now that the Falcons have decided to move on from Thomas Dimitrov, I don't think that possibility is as likely as I did a year or so ago. Um, And so I do kind of expect that the most likely outcome is that the Falcons will go with sort of a first time head coach and a first time general manager. Um, But at the same time, like it wouldn't completely shock me if the Falcons sort of sniffed around, say, an Urban Meyer or Bill Cowher or somebody like that. It wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, I wouldn't again, I wouldn't put money on the Falcons hiring those guys. But I certainly think if you were to get those guys into a room, you would certainly be very impressed with what they would have to say and start, you know, potentially look hard at at hiring those guys. Um, At Gerval asks, what's the outlook on the rest of the year? Are we out of the playoffs? So are we playing to win or losing to win a better pick? Well, the outlook on the rest of the season is, you know, playing the win because you're trying to evaluate these players. You're also playing to win because you want to, throw a wrench in the Bucks playoff season. Maybe you can knock them down to the seven seed or something like that. Um, and, you know, my expectation is the Falcons will probably win at least one more game, most likely this upcoming Chargers game, but it's certainly possible that they could upset the Bucks. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. Uh, Kel Jeffer one's next question is how hard can it be to get a productive running back in the middle rounds? I have been missing that highlight reel thumping running back since Michael Turner. So when you're talking about the middle rounds, I'm assuming we're talking about like rounds three through five. And it's not that hard to get a running back if you're looking for a guy that can get you like 900 or 1,000 yards. Um, We've seen guys like Devontae Freeman, Jordan Howard, Marlon Mack, James Conner, Kareem Hunt, David Johnson, Aaron Jones taken in those rounds and, and be productive lead tailbacks in the NFL. Now, if you're looking for a quote unquote workhorse, a quote unquote feature running back, a guy that you can sort of build your offense around, you know, we're talking about guys like Dalvin cook and Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb and Derek Henry and Josh Jacobs, more than likely you're going to have to use a first or second round pick on those guys. Those guys rarely get drafted in rounds 
three or later. Hope that answers your question. Quincy Barnhill at Barnhill Quincy asks, who do you want to see the Falcons take in round one? Someone good. But right now I would say, you know, I would lean towards Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. But outside him, I'm not really attached to anybody else that's been projected as a top 10 pick uh, for the Falcons. Let's get into one more in Mave 2124s. He's asked, what positions are a sin to pick in the top 10 besides kicker, punter, and tight end? I don't necessarily know if tight end is a sin to take in the top 10. It's just, it's rare to have a tight end that talented to be worthy of that selection. For me, when I think back over the players I've evaluated over the last 20 years, you know, Kellen Winslow, the second, and Rob Gronkowski are probably the top two tight ends that I've ever scouted. And Gronk wound up being a second round pick largely due to a back injury that made him his, his future in the NFL, a, a major question mark going into that draft, but certainly the talent wise that I think he would have been worthy of a top 10 pick that particular draft. Um, you know, in terms of other positions, I, I might add running back, although you could probably convince me that a running back is worth like the eighth overall selection or something like that. I definitely wouldn't take one in the top five. The last time I felt good about someone taking a, anybody taking a running back in the top 10 was Adrian Peterson in 2007. Center would probably another be a position I would throw in the spot just because I don't know what a top 10 pick at the center position even looks like. Like if you ask me, like, who's the best center prospect you've ever evaluated? Like I might say Alex Mack. Um, and like, to me, he wasn't a top 10 pick. So I don't know what a top 10 center looks like. I know what a top 10 guard looks like. I know what a top 10 tackle looks like. And certainly you can make a, a case that one of those a player, at one of those other positions has the versatility and experience of playing center. But in terms of a guy that's like purely a center, I, I couldn't imagine what he looks like a, as a top 10 player. And the other position I would throw in a two down defensive tackle not worth a top 10 pick. So uh, we got more questions, including getting into some conversations about free agency and restructuring contracts and sort of what teams the Falcons should be trying to look to mimic in terms of their coach GM combination coming up on today's locked on Falcons Q and a episode. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NBA side of the locked on podcast network. Of course, the NBA season is just right around the corner. And if you guys want to catch up on all the latest with your favorite NBA team, all 30 teams are covered on the Locked On Podcast Network, including the Atlanta Hawks. Check out Brad Roland and the Locked On Hawks podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple. So before we continue today's Locked On Falcons Q&A episode, I do want to let you guys know that tomorrow is Crossover Thursday, where I will be joined by one of the hosts of the Locked On Chargers podcast to get you guys geared up for this Week 14 matchup. And we'll talk quite a bit about Matt Ryan, Justin Herbert, you know, maybe we'll get even, a, you know, a mention of my son, Derwin James, on tomorrow's episode. So check out uh, tomorrow's crossover Thursday by subscribing to Locked on Falcons or subscribing to Locked on Chargers if you're feeling you know fancy uh, on your favorite podcast platform. So uh, our next question comes from Mantis Toboggan, MD at Sebastian's Dad 19. Should we consider restructuring contracts or are we not in a good position to do that with a new regime? Well, the latest rumors suggest that the salary cap may not be as depressed as people originally were projecting it. The original projections were saying that the floor for the salary cap was going to be $175 million next year. The latest rumors are saying that it may be $195 million next year, which would mean that instead of the Falcons entering the offseason $25 million over the salary cap, they'd only enter the offseason roughly $5 million over the salary cap. 
Um, in order to clear 25 million, they're going to have to restructure some contracts. Um, at 5 million, they won't necessarily have to be as proactive with that because they can clear out about $15 million in salary cap space by cutting Ricardo Allen, James Carpenter, and Allen Bailey, which at this point seem foregone conclusions. Um, but even then, I still think you're still going to probably have to restructure a couple of contracts uh, because I think the goal should be for a new regime to have at least 20 to $25 million of cap space to spend in free agency. And the good thing for the Falcons, if they were to do max restructures of the top six guys under contract next year, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Grady Jarrett, Jake Matthews, Dante Fallon, and Deion Jones, they would have an additional $49 million in cap space to play with. They could create an additional $49 million by doing max restructures on all six of those contracts. So I think they do need to do some restructures. You know, I think in a world where the salary cap was only going to be $175 million next year, they would have to do all six. Um, I think if they're, if the salary cap is $195 million, maybe they can get away with doing only three or something like that. So I think they are in a – they're not in a good position. Let's say like no one's in a good position to, to move $49 million in salary cap from this year to future years. But at the same time, I don't see why the Falcons would be against doing it because it's going to help them compete next year. And as anybody who's watched the Saints the last couple of years knows that like – Look, if you're going to pay the piper, then so be it. But if we're in the playoffs, who cares, right? You know, and only, it's only a bad thing when you're five and eleven, right? Wesley Gayer asks: Falcons will need a guard, running back, and receiver. They need a defensive end, a safety or two, and another corner. Can they possibly get all this in the draft? As they are over the cap with the D playing better, I'm hoping they ditch Dirk and go after a few offensive needs in the draft. Well, no, they're not going to be able to get all that in the draft. That's why free agency exists. And again, going back to the aforementioned question, I think there's this false narrative that the Falcons won't be able to spend any money in free agency. They they should have plenty of money to spend in free agency. Uh, They just have to be smart about it. They have to be smart about how they structure contracts or whatever the case may be. But I think the Falcons are going to be a lot more, at least have the potential. We'll see what happens. Because, you know, as I outlined in a previous episode a couple of weeks ago, that if they decide to trade Matt Ryan, um, then they're not going to be able to spend really much of anything in free agency. Uh, that's going to basically kill any chances of them being proactive in free agency. But if they decide to restructure Matt Ryan as well as a couple of other guys, then they can be proactive in free agency and address several of those needs, including guard, uh, you know, safety and corner um, and, and be, you know, not necessarily bargain shopping in that regard, I think. Uh, in order to fill some of those needs. Um, Sean Carter at Sean Carter 45 asks, what team do you think the Falcons could look to as a model for how to wisely get the GM head coach pairing, right? Basically what past team reminds you the most of the Falcons current situation? This is a hard question to answer because I, I think frankly, at the end of the day, you don't necessarily want to be copying somebody else's team as a model. Um, what I have learned over the years of, of watching football is that the advantage goes to the innovator. Um, you often hear that the NFL is a copycat league, but usually the teams that copy the sort of original team are sort of pale imitations of that and don't reap the benefits that the original team did. And let's use an example to illustrate the point I'm talking about. You know, after the Seattle success on defense several years ago, everybody wanted to get those big corners, wanted to get Richard Sherman, wanted to get Brandon Browner. But that led to teams overdrafting players like Jalen Collins and Stanley 
Jean Baptiste. And what Seattle was doing was taking advantage of a market inefficiency and finding guys that were sort of these tweeners that most people were looking at as, oh, too big to play corner, too stiff to play corner, and 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 not quite good enough to play safety, like a Richard Sherman, like a Byron Maxwell, getting those guys in rounds five and six and, and, and reaping the benefits of, of getting those guys at sort of relatively low prices and getting bargains for those guys. And then other teams, including the Falcons with Jalen Collins, turned around and, and drafted similar players in rounds two and three and wound up overpaying for those guys. Another example, Taysom Hill became a big thing, you know, three years ago. And everybody wanted to get their version of Taysom Hill, including the Falcons, you know, the with the incomparable Danny Etling. And nobody's been able to sort of recreate a Taysom Hill. He's just sort of a unique player. And so I think it's really about not copying other people's success. It's about the Falcons. You know, you can make the argument that the Falcons attempts to copy the Seattle Seahawks uh, with under Dan Quinn was a contributing factor to why the Falcons never sort of um, were able to reach the full heights that they were capable of uh, over the last five years. So it's, it's really about finding the market inefficiencies and in, in innovating yourself, uh, finding the thing that makes you special, not necessarily looking at what other teams are doing that makes them special and trying to be a pale imitation of that. Um, so I hope that I know that doesn't answer your question, but like, that's my response to it. Deidre Sinat's uncle at Ryan Lee MP asks, how is your foot? It is better. Thanks for asking, Ryan. And uh, really real sports podcast at RR Sports Podcast asks, who's absolutely the wrong coach to bring in next season? I say if Raheem Morris or Jim Harbaugh are coaching next season, I'm out. Well, you know, everybody says I'm out if this happens. Like, no one's out. (laughs) No one's out. You're, You're in it, right? You're always in it. Stop, stop acting like you're, you're fandom. You, you know, you're, you're, you're not in it. You're not out. No one's out. All right. If you were out, you would have been out. Like, you know, the, like you're in. <laughs> I I just love when people say like, oh, if they do this, I'm out. I'm not going to be a fan anymore. Like, no, you're not. Like, stop saying that. You know, um, I, I, I get it's an expression, but like I'm just saying, it's, it's always funny when, when people say that. Like, oh, if they do this, if they draft this person, I'm done with this team, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, no, you're not. You're just going to pout for three months and then you're going to be right back there rooting for the TV as always. All right. Anyway, to answer your question, (laughs) to answer your question, uh, based off what I have seen from Michigan this year, yes, Jim Harbaugh is definitely on the list of like, this is, that would be a terrible hire. Michigan, I've only watched like three games of Michigan, but those three games, they were like the worst coach team I've ever seen. So yeah, I'm out. Yeah. If they hire Jim Harbaugh, I'm out. Right. Um, Rise up ATL at Dean at underscore FW ask Terry Fontenot, yay, nay, or indifferent, indifferent. And now we've reached the portion of the episode where I answer questions that people that if they had listened to yesterday's episode, probably wouldn't ask these questions because they would kind of know the answers to the question, or at least the answers I would give on these questions. So Terry Fontenot is like a Saints personnel executive. The AJC broke on Tuesday that he is another uh, African-American in particular uh, candidate for um, the Falcons GM vacancy. So I'm indifferent because on yesterday's episode, I basically said that when you asked me 
you know, what do you think about this? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about coaches. I don't know about GMs. Um, Davon Wilson at D Wilson 1997 asks, is Rich McKay a big problem with this organization since he has taken over? What evidence is there? If so, and will he be a problem with Guinea being me here in a good GM? Are there good chances? The Falcons draft a wide receiver, running back quarterback and first run in the first four rounds. So the first two questions I kind of answered on yesterday's episode, check that out. Davon sort of the short version is, I don't know. You know, I don't think Rich McKay has been an issue since he took over. I think that's ridiculous. You know, whether you want to get the enemy here or not, I think is an open question. Um, but to answer your last question, I would say quarterback and running back are very likely to get taken in the first four rounds next year. Wide receiver seems a lot less likely, although I think if they should, if the right guy is there and live and learn the hard way at Padre in 0920 ask, who would you like to see us our next GN or manager? Also, from your knowledge of league personnel activities, successes in drafting and free agency, which team's personnel staff have been the most impressed with in recent years? So your first question, again, like I don't have an opinion on who I – I don't have a preference on general manager. And I address why I don't have preferences on that stuff uh, in yesterday's episode. So, again, check it out. To answer your second question, I would say – I've I've really liked Buffalo's approach to free agency the last couple of years. Uh, I've liked Philadelphia's aggressiveness with trades. I, and, and, of course, Baltimore, you know, nobody beats Ozzie Newsom. I know Ozzie retired a couple of years ago, but, you know, Eric DaCosta has been continuing the, the Ozzie legacy the last couple of years. So those are, the, those are the teams that sort of stand out to me. It's sort of like the, if you could pick and choose how they do it, like Philly's trades, Buffalo's free agency, and Baltimore's drafting, I guess, is, is what I would say. So there you guys have it. And I will forgive all you guys for asking questions that seemingly I kind of answered on yesterday's episode, uh, you know, because I posted it 12 hours later than normal. And so you had 12 hours less to listen to the greatness that is the Lockdown Falcons podcast. So I will forgive you guys for not listening to that episode before you ask those questions. And I appreciate everybody for sending in their questions. I apologize if I was short with some questions you were thinking normally I do tend to pontificate on these questions, but because so many questions got answered, uh, got asked, I wanted to get through all of them as quickly as possible. So we'll be back tomorrow with a crossover Thursday. If you have questions that you want to get answered on future lockdown Falcons podcast, Q and A's, we do Q and A's every single week. You can send in your questions via Twitter to lockdown Falcons via Facebook to lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate you guys until then.